Hi, everybody. My name is Andy Hill, and I'm here with my music partner, Renee Safier. Hello. We are the producers of Dylan Fest, an eight-hour festival celebrating the music of Bob Dylan held every May here in Southern California. Welcome to the 15th installment of Talkin' Bob Dylan. Well, today we're going to look at two of Bob's most well-known, influential, and iconic songs, Blowing in the Wind and Mr. Tambourine Man. So when I think about iconic Bob Dylan songs, I think if I had to choose, my favorite Bob Dylan song is Blowing in the Wind. Now, a lot of you might think that's an obvious choice, but when I hear the first line, how many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? Those words evoke a myriad of feelings and images to me. The first thing that comes to mind are the Memphis sanitation workers and their strike back in 1968. I can see those black and white photos of the hundreds of workers who, for nine weeks, carried signs stating, I am a man. Now just think about that. The fact that people of color actually had to protest to assert that they were simply men, human beings, citizens, and worthy of the treatment accorded to them is overwhelmingly moving to me. The second thought I have is of the journey we all go on to become fully realized men, Adults, human beings that can fulfill our potential in all the vast mosaic of ways we can and should. We all have to travel many roads to get there, and the road never ends. So Blown in the Wind was written by Bob Dylan in 1962 and was released as a single and included on his album The Freewheelin' Bob Dylan in 1963. Now, although it has been described as a protest song, it poses a series of rhetorical questions about peace, war, and freedom. Dylan originally wrote and performed a two-verse version of the song in its first public performance at Gertie's Folk City on April 16, 1962. It was recorded, and it was circulated among Dylan collectors. Shortly after this performance, he added the middle verse to the song. The song was published for the first time in May 1962 in an issue of Broadside. That's the magazine founded by Pete Seeger and devoted to topical songs. The song's theme may have been taken from a passage in Woody Guthrie's autobiography, Bound for Glory, in which Guthrie compared his political sensibility to newspapers blowing in the winds of New York City streets and alleys. Now, Dylan was a student of Guthrie's work, and his reading of the book was a major turning point in his intellectual and political development. We also see in this early song Dylan's choice of an older historic reference. When he turns to a war image, he chooses cannonballs, even though by this time the planet had endured beyond World War II with its gas chambers, atom bombs, and hydrogen bombs. By hearkening back to a more ancient image than would have been found in the newspapers of the time, I think Dylan connects metaphorically more closely with the primary essence of the message, which is not specifically how do people die, but the pointlessness of this kind of death. Later in 2006, on Modern Times, he will employ the same strategy with stunning effect in his song Working Man's Blues Number no. 2, where he says, They burned my barn and stole my horse. I can't save a dime. 
I got to be careful. I don't want to be forced into a life of continual crime. Why the barn and the horse in these days where almost no one has either? It's because we are all connected metaphorically and through the lives of our ancestors with what has gone before. Through that shared rural image, we can feel the important message in the line, which is not about farm life, but that economic conditions may conspire to change us into something we are not, if we're not careful. In June 1962, Blowing in the Wind was published in Sing Out, accompanied by Dylan's comments. Quote, there ain't too much I can say about this song except that the answer is blowing in the wind. It ain't in no book or movie or TV show or discussion group. Man, it's in the wind, and it's blowing in the wind. Too many of these hip people are telling me where the answer is, but oh, I won't believe that. I still say it's in the wind, and just like a restless piece of paper, it's got to come down some. But the only trouble is that no one picks up the answer when it comes down. So not too many people get to see and know, and then it flies away. I still say that some of the biggest criminals are those that turn their heads away when they see wrong and know it's wrong. I'm only 21 years old, and I know that there's been too many. You people over 21, you're older and smarter. End quote. Like some of Dylan's early works, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, and Boots of Spanish Leather, the melody of Blowing in the Wind was an adaptation of a song already in existence. Blowing in the Wind was an adaptation of the old African-American spiritual No More Auction Block slash We Shall Overcome. According to Alan Lomax, the song originated in Canada and was sung by former slaves who fled there after Britain abolished slavery in 1833. In 1978, Dylan acknowledged the source when he told journalist Mark Rowland, Blowing in the Wind has always been a spiritual. I took it off a song called No More Auction Block. That's a spiritual, and Blowing in the Wind follows the same feeling. Blowing in the Wind has been described as an anthem of the civil rights movement. In Martin Scorsese's documentary on Dylan, No Direction Home, Mavis Staples expressed her astonishment on first hearing the song and said she could not understand how a young white man could write something that captured the frustration and aspirations of black people so powerfully. Sam Cooke was also deeply impressed by the song, incorporating it into its, his repertoire soon after its release, and being inspired to write A Change Is Gonna Come. That is such a powerful song. Lyrics to the song, Blown in the Wind, are still used today on signs protesting war and injustice everywhere. Now, Blown in the Wind was first covered by the Chad Mitchell Trio, but their record company delayed the release of the album containing it because the song included the word death. So the trio lost out to Peter, Paul, and Mary, who were represented by Dylan's manager, Albert Grossman. The single sold a phenomenal 300,000 copies in the first week of release and made the song world famous. On August 17, 1963, it reached number two on the Billboard pop chart, with sales exceeding one million copies. Peter Yarrow recalled that when he told Dylan he would make more than $5,000, which is equivalent to $39,000 in 2016, from the publishing rights, Dylan was speechless. Peter, Paul, and Mary's version of the song also spent five weeks on the top of the easy listening chart. 
Now, Blown in the Wind has been recorded by hundreds of other artists. The most commercially successful one is the one by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Other notable recordings include Stevie Wonder, Jimmy Buffett, Joan Baez, Marianne Faithful, uh, a great version by the U.S. Navy Steel Band. Uh, Neil Young, in, uh, on his album Weld, does a, uh, an instrumental version, I think. And Dolly Parton has a version. Surprisingly, Marlena Dietrich recorded a German version, which peaked at number 32 in Germany. And there have been several other versions released in other languages, including Swedish, Arabic, and uh, I even heard a pop disco version by a German band. So Glenn Campbell, Arthur Lyman have all had instrumental versions as well. I mean, who needs those pesky lyrics anyway? Here's Renee singing Blowing in the Wind from Dylan Fest 2009. One, two, three, four.
Well, that was Jimmy Sachs on the saxophone. And if you want to hear that organ player, that's Bob Malone. And he's currently touring with John Fogarty when he's not out doing his own stuff. That sounded great. Our next iconic Bob Dylan song is Mr. Tambourine Man. The song was released in 1965 on his album Bringing It All Back Home. The Birds also recorded a version of the song that they released in the same year as their first single, reaching number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 chart and the UK Singles chart. The Birds' recording of the song was influential in popularizing the musical subgenres of folk rock and jangle pop. Now, I confess that's the first time I've heard that term. <laughs> but it's descriptive. Yeah. Do we do any jangle pop in uh, Hard Rain? Yeah, we name? do. Mr. Tambourine Man. Okay. Leading many contemporary bands to mimic its fusion of jangly guitars and intellectual lyrics in the wake of the single's success. This is just another example of Dylan's impact on popular music. For me, the song is representational of so many facets of Dylan's work. The surrealistic imagery, his borrowing and taking inspiration from earlier works, the influence of artists as diverse as French poet Arthur Rimbaud and Italian filmmaker Federico Fellini. Dylan himself has cited the influence of Fellini's movie La Strada on the song. Some speculate that Mr. Tambourine Man is a musician. Bruce Langhorn, who performs guitar on the track, has been cited by Dylan as the inspiration for the Tambourine Man image in the song. Langhorn used to play a giant four-inch-deep tambourine, which was actually a Turkish frame drum, and he had brought the instrument to a previous Dylan recording session. Others say that the Mr. Tambourine Man is the source of inspiration. Much like Keats' Ode to a Nightingale, this song is about getting inspiration, being able to achieve enlightenment through the creative process, Whereas the clown follows the shadow, the speaker follows the tambourine man because he is the real deal. He is where inspiration comes from. And since Dylan chose a man playing the tambourine as the title, it is safe to assume that he is making a statement about his art. Musicians, with their music, inspire the people who truly feel the lyrics and operate in the mood created by the music, while the clowns of this world merely copy the style, the form, and the tone of the lyrics. 
One thing to note about Mr. Tambourine Man is that it's simply a fun song to play and hear. The soaring melody of the chorus, the swirling combination of vivid imagery he uses in the lyrics, the jangly guitars and the infectious harmonies we hear, notably in the birds version, all help to create a song we want to hear and play over and over again. This is one thing Dylan does often so masterfully. He gives us so much to think about and ponder while we can't help but tap our feet and sing along. So perhaps this is why the song has been performed and recorded by so many artists, including Judy Collins, Odetta, Melanie, and Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner. Have you ever heard that version? Um, I, I don't know that I have. He proclaims it. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be heard to be believed. <laughs> uh, his version is not the reason so many other people have <laughs> taken up and carried that mantle. So is he the clown that was imitating the form, not the uh, Mr. Tambourine Man following the muse? Well, in fairness, I think he knew what he was doing. <laughs> he, I think he also did Rocket Man by Elton and a bunch of others. <laughs> it's pretty funny. We're still talking about it today so i guess we did something right right i think his record is called golden throats or something <laughs> well we'll have to feature that on a, on a new dylan maybe we'll just to do a whole podcast series on william shatner and leonard nimoy and their records okay yeah. but we digress or not yeah. <laughs> so believe it or not there were at least 13 different versions recorded in 1965 alone Now, to go along with the Shatner version, there was even a recording by the fictitious group The Termites in a 1960s TV comedy, F Troop. So we'll have to see if we can find that one sometime. Now, the Birds arrangement of the song had been shortened during the band's rehearsals in 1964 in order to accommodate commercial radio stations, which were hesitant to play songs that were over two and a half minutes long. Now, Dylan's version is five and a half minutes long. The Birds version is much shorter. And the lead vocal on the Birds version was sung by McGuinn, who attempted to modify his singing style to fill what he perceived as a gap in the popular music scene of the day, somewhere between the vocal sound of John Lennon and Bob Dylan. I find that really interesting. Me too. I've, I've never heard that before. And I'm trying to think of the gap between those two voices and... He, he might have something there. I, I would never have perceived that there was a gap. Right. But his vocal is something between those yeah, two Yeah, that's an interesting styles. point. Now, for McGuinn, the song also took on a spiritual aspect during the recording session. He told the Bird's biographer, Johnny Rogan, in 1997, and I'm quoting here, I was singing to God, and I was saying that God was the tambourine man, and I was saying to him, Hey, God, take me for a trip, and I'll follow you. It was a prayer of submission, end quote. And I think McGuinn nailed it there way back in 64, 65, while so many others were distracted by the understandable desire to see the song as a drug song with its references to smoke rings of my mind and the psychedelia of the 60s, etc. I love his image of God as the tambourine man with his, McGuinn's role to submit to that will. With all these intervening years to reflect, I see the song as a song to perhaps the God of inspiration, like you were mentioning earlier. When inspiration calls, no matter what time it is, no matter how tired the singer may be, 
It's his wish to follow wherever that call may lead. Tambourine Man has been translated into other languages and has been used or referenced in television shows, films, and books. The song has been translated and recorded in a number of languages, Turkish, Romanian, Brazilian, Portuguese, and German. My name is Andy Hill. And I'm Renee Safier. We're the producers of Dylan Fest, which is held every May in the Los Angeles area. In addition to our love of Bob Dylan, we have 15 CDs, including nine CDs of our original songs. You can buy our music and find out where we're playing at our website, which is www.andyandrenee.com. If you're in the L.A. area, we perform every Friday night at Portsacol Restaurant in San Pedro. Take it easy, but take it. We're going to close with a rendition of Mr. Tambourine Man from our 25th annual Dylan Fest. This is Dave Crossland, John Hoke, and Andy Hill singing lead with our band Hard Rain. See you next time on Talkin' Bob Dylan. Sleepy and there ain't no place I'm going to
John Hoke, 